Welcome to A Champion's Mind with your host, Mario Aroyave. Some say the sky's the limit. It isn't. The limit is in your mind. You believe that or else you would not be listening to this podcast. You believe that you could do more. You believe that you can perform at a higher level than you currently are. You are absolutely right. Thanks for being open-minded and allowing this podcast to help you develop a champion's mind. In this podcast, we'll discuss and hear about some mental strategies we can implement to help you achieve your utmost performance. If you feel like you're not performing at your true potential, this podcast will look to give you the keys that can open that lock. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in to the A Champion's Mind podcast. We are going to shoot directly from the hip. I've got Payson McElveen, who rides for Orange Seal, on the uh, on the other end of the line here, and he is the freshly minted, freshly crowned Marathon Mountain Bike National Champion. And so that happened just a couple of days ago. And so we got him on the phone here, and we're just going to have him walk us through. So, Payson, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to be on here. I know that you've had a busy last uh, couple of days with uh, everybody kind of wanting you to uh, shake their hand and kiss their babies and be at different <laughs> dinner parties and such. So thanks so much for just jumping on here for a few minutes with us and taking us through this. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't miss it. You're you're part of it, uh, uh, Mario. So thanks for having me. Cool, man. So, dude, uh, I'm going to let you uh, – you talk more, I talk less. I'm going to let you – I'm going <laughs> to hand over the reins to you. T- tell us about it. Tell us, first of all, just tell us what it was for those folks that are listening – Tell us what it was, and then just jump into your race and give us anything you think would be cool for us to know about your journey. Yeah, so uh, basically in in mountain biking, we have three disciplines that are um, recognized uh, as national championship events, Um, and those are the traditional cross-country format, which is an hour and a half to two hours, short laps, technical, intense, Um, and then we have short track, which is uh, basically a criterium on mountain bikes, although it's just half an hour, um, and it's on dirt, obviously. Uh, very short laps. And then there's the marathon discipline, which is uh, loosely, I think, between supposed to be between 50 miles and 100K, so about 50 miles and 62 miles. Um, and generally those races take between three hours and five hours. Um, and those are kind of the three designated, uh, national championships. Um, like on the road, there's time trial, road race and crit. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, that's what happened. <laughs> I, won, I won my first elite national title a little bit before I expected probably, um, I think definitely before other people expected. Um, but, yeah, that's what happened on Sunday. So, awesome. So, marathon, nationals, national champion, uh, a little bit before you expected. But take us through take us through the race. Take us through, like, I don't know, what were some of the key moments there? How did it go down? Uh, what were you thinking? Just give us um, – you know, give us the give us a, the the perspective from the cockpit. You know, from uh, from your mind and from what you were looking at and how you were analyzing things. Yeah, so um, I've had some decent races so far this year, but uh, I felt like my legs were better than the results had indicated thus far. 
Um, so uh, I wasn't a five-star favorite going in. There were three other riders who were, and I'll, I I'll can get into that later. But, um, you know, I got to the, the course there in Arkansas, and it suited me really well. A um, little bit like what I grew up racing in Texas, um, more rolling, a lot of single track, some rocks, um, really only one major sustained climb. Um, and so, you know, I try not to focus too much on outcome goals these days, but um, sort of in the back of my mind, I thought uh, the medals were a possibility if I had a great day, so top three. Um, and on the first lap, uh, got into a group of uh, six, lead group of six, um, and one of the tricky parts about the race is that there was so much single track, and so if you were, if someone in front of you got gapped off and started losing time, it was really hard to get around them. So that happened halfway through the first lap, and I ended up losing about 15 seconds, uh, which doesn't sound like much, but on this course is a lot because it's fast. So already just a quarter of the way into the race, I had to burn a big-time match to get back to the lead group. Um, and then halfway through the race, uh, there was a fairly deep creek crossing, um, with some rocks that you could kind of ride down the middle of to make the creek crossing shallower. And I just crossed wheels with a rider in front of me and went down fully submerged in this creek, like bike, body, got, I got out just soaking wet, gloves soaking wet. And I just thought, man, this is not my day. This is not going the way I thought it might. Wow. <laughs> and so again, I had, you know, a little 10 second gap to chase back to um, manage to get back to that group again. And then uh, just some quick backstory on, I guess, the favorites for the race. Um, Todd Wells was five-time defending champion of this race. Uh, he's a guy that's been to the Olympics on three separate occasions and has won this race many times, literally five years in a row. And then uh, we had Howard Grotz, who's my best buddy here in Durango, and uh, went to the Rio Olympics just a handful of months ago. And then Jeremiah Bishop, who has won just about everything under the sun as well um, and is a big-time veteran of the sport. So Todd and Jeremiah are 41 years old, and then you had Howard and me, who are both 24 years old, <laughs> um, which was an interesting dynamic. So anyway, um, I managed to chase back again, and then there's this uh, – the, the one selective climb, I would say, on the course, or most selective climb is maybe – four minutes of fairly steep climbing and then uh, just another eight or ten minutes of a gradual drag. And we all kind of knew that's where Howard was going to try to win the race. Um, and I think most people expected him to win the race. He was the favorite. Um, and so when he made his move, I was behind Todd and Jeremiah was in front of Todd. And I thought that was a good place to be. Um, and then Todd just didn't have the legs on the day and, uh, another big gap started opening up and I was caught behind Todd in this tight single track. So on the one, it was this funny moment because on the one hand, there goes Howard riding off with the win, Jeremiah riding off with silver. And here I am stuck, but realizing, Hey, I'm the third strongest guy today, but dang, I don't want to get dropped right now over, you know, getting, <laughs> being stuck in the single track. So I eventually got around him um, and sort of just pretended that the race ended at the top of that climb and tried to wrap my mind around that, just that mindset. 
um, and made it back to Jeremiah's wheel, and then together we just kind of winched our way back to Howard. Um, and then we spent uh, the rest of that, the second and final lap riding together, just kind of watching each other but riding a hard enough tempo that we weren't going to get caught from behind. Um, and then it kind of dawned on me that, shoot, I should start thinking about how I might win this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those just really enjoyable races where you, your uh, expectation, you have to reassess your expectations as the race goes on. Um, and so I kind of decided to take the bull by the horns and went to the front, put in some tester moves. Um, Jeremiah, unfortunately, punctured on one of the last rocky descents. Um, and then it was just Howard and me, and it was a, it was an interesting dynamic because we are best buddies. Um, usually, almost always, he has the upper hand. Uh, he's unbelievably decorated already, only at 24 years old, and in fact, he's the current title holder of those two other disciplines of mountain biking. So he's current short track and cross-country national champion. Hmm. So if he won, he would be holding all three titles, which is pretty unheard of. Um, so with about a kilometer to go, there was the last climb, which we both knew was his shot. And then there was the sprint, which we both knew was my shot because he's about 120 pounds and five foot six or so. Um, and you know, it was just one of those moments where I knew what was at stake and there was no pain. There was just focus and, uh, don't get dropped. Don't get dropped. Don't get dropped. I don't care who this guy is. Don't get dropped. <laughs> And I didn't get dropped, and I won the sprint, and uh, it was a pretty special day. <laughs> Man, that, you know, if we were to just have you on here and say, hey, there's this guy pacing, you know, he just won, you know, marath uh, mountain bike marathon nationals, most people probably wouldn't have envisioned you having some of those moments that you had. I mean, it's not supposed to go that way. I mean, if you if you win... It's supposed to be easy peasy. If you win, you're not supposed to struggle. If you win, you're not supposed to cross wheels with a guy. If you win, you know, just the things that happened that got you to be there. If you win, it's not really supposed to be like that. You're supposed to maybe be able to enjoy it a little bit more. Um, but obviously, you weren't able to and really just had you kind of really focused on the process throughout the whole race and just really had you thinking and like you said think and reevaluate think and reevaluate think and reevaluate i mean you were in the present moment you couldn't you couldn't get out of that present moment because if you did you feared for example thinking about the sprint would get you gapped on the 1k climb going into the sprint but you're not there anymore so forget it it's that's a done deal uh, yeah. And I and I and I like what you really said about you know it sounds to me like one of there were it sounds to me like there were a few but one of the decisive moments was you literally gave it all you had to go around Bishop to get back in contact at the top of the climb because that was yeah. you felt like that was it you felt like if you didn't do that then the game was over and how far away from the finish was that. Oh geez, uh, an hour. <laughs> yeah, so you, a while. <laughs> so, you, so you went you went chips all in an hour away. You yeah. didn't play the self preservation game. I mean, it was either at that point if you didn't make contact, you knew your day was probably over in terms of competing for the win. No. 
Right. And that, that actually went through my head. I thought, and it was a decision, a conscious decision, decision that I made, whether it was at 180 beats per minute or not, I think it was somewhat <laughs> conscious. Um, you know, it was, do I settle for bronze right now and get my best result thus far in my career? Or no, no, I can win this thing. And I just said, no, I, I'm, I'm going to go for the win. I'm not going to settle for third. Um, because the, the course was such that there were these uh, very tough sections that were de- decisive, and then there were these long sections of single track that were also very difficult because they re- required a huge amount of concentration and staying on the gas and all that sort of thing. But there was some recovery in there too. So that's kind of how I justified racing to the top of the climb like it was the end of the race because I knew if I got there in contact – things would be a little bit neutralized because there's somewhat of a speed limit in some of that single track. Um, and yeah, that's how, that's how it worked out. I love it. I mean, you, you know, the, um, you had to make the decision and, and you did make the decision. I mean, you had to be thinking, you had to be sharp mentally. Let's put it that way. You had to be sharp mentally, even at 180 beats a minute, because if you make the wrong decision there, then it could all be for, it could all be for not. And, you know, in order to win, you had to risk losing, and you did, yeah. and you did, and uh, and it worked out, and I'm glad that it did work out, obviously, being my friend and a fellow coach and all these other great things that, that we are together, but it's, it's, I mean, for folks that are listening to this, they also need to recognize that you made the decision that you were willing to throw away everything for that one decisive moment, and... Um, yeah, I'm just I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear that it worked out for you. And so but uh Payson, man, it sounds like it was just a a wrestling match uh with I mean with yourself, no? I mean, this was more yeah. of a you know, talk about the inner struggle. Yeah, uh yeah, it was it's funny because I've had some races this year where everything went really smoothly and I finished the race and I felt like, you know, something had been lacking. And in training, I knew my fitness was good and I didn't really have any thing to blame the so-so result on. Um, And so I was sometimes a little bit of a loss. And then at this race where a lot of things went wrong, um, (laughs) the legs were just there and it didn't matter. Um, And it's almost like, those things going wrong sharpened my focus a little bit. Um, I don't know if that that's the case, but that's one possibility. Um, and then <laughs> right, right at the end, too, I mean, another tough uh, moment um, mentally, I guess, uh, was actually holding back um, on that last climb, which sounds funny because I was so focused on not getting dropped and it was hard not to get dropped, but uh, when Howard let off the gas on that last climb with one kilometer to go, I felt that I had a little bit more juice to, to counterattack him. But knowing the caliber of rider he is and knowing, you know, having trained and raced together for so long, I knew what my best option was for the win, and that was to wait for the sprint. And so as badly as I just wanted to seize the moment and try to win the race there, that was probably a 50-50 chance. And the sprint was more like a 90% chance. Um, so that was tough. 
mentally in a different way, not in like a gritting your way through, but in a be a grown up about bike racing way. <laughs> yeah, and that well, that I mean that that's what it takes to that's what it takes to win championships. You've got to you've got to assess. You've got to do a risk assessment, you know, and um, you've got to figure it out. Could you have beat him on that climb? Maybe. I mean, the legs sound like they were really good. Uh, you could have possibly ridden away from him on the climb. But you did a quick risk assessment, and you told yourself, you know what, I've got more, I've got better odds in the sprint, and I'm, that's what I'm going to fall back on, and that's probably my best shot, and that's what you went with, and that's what that's what caused you to be, you know, that's what had you be successful. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, man, Payson, thank you so much for just giving us a little bit of your time. So, for folks that don't know, uh, this is. Yeah, this is huge. Um, Payson is part of the Williams Racing Academy as well, which I also do some work for, um, and, and Payson does some work for. And so him and I and Christian and Burke and Noah and just everybody in that family, man, we're just so stoked for you, Payson. And um, just, I mean, Payson's been in that family for a long time and been very patient with the process and just been doing the right things for a long time. And it's just really awesome to see when things come together in a way. And when he, I'm not going to say when he gets a success that he deserves because nobody, nobody really deserves to have anything. Um, every day is a gift, but, but the work he's put in, does equate with what he received in the national championship. So those two things line up. It's not like he's sloughing on the work. I mean, those two things definitely line up. So that was awesome. Payson, you know, thank you so much. Is there anybody else, Payson? I'm going to let you give it a, a chance here to thank some other folks uh, that have oh, been boy. instrumental for you and helped this happen. So go ahead. Man, how long do we have? <laughs> yeah, well, it's your, it's, this is your deal, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I mean, that's partly a joke and partly not a joke. Um, it would be impossible to thank everyone uh, that deserved it. But, um, yeah, shout, giving a shout-out to the Williams Racing Academy crew, Christian, Chloe, everyone there. Uh, I've been part of that family since I think I was 14 or 15 years old. And um, I think at times Christian probably got a little bit frustrated with me because he knew that, I had the legs or I had the potential, the numbers were there, but for whatever reason, the day, you know, didn't happen. And so, uh, as good as, as this felt, I, it must have, or it must feel very good for him too. And I think be a, a relief <laughs> in some ways. Um, I'd really like to thank my family too. Uh, my dad was actually at the race. He was also racing. So there was a pretty special moment when, uh, I was there waiting for him at the finish, and uh, he crossed the line, and um, we had a pretty, pretty emo emotional moment there. Wow. Um, yeah, and even better, uh, we had a film crew at the race, so the whole the whole day was caught on camera, and I think it'll be uh, a pretty special storyline that that unfolds eventually. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to thank my entire family, my mom and sister, of course. And my girlfriend, Jenna, she's made some serious sacrifices. Um, as all bike racing families know, um, it's not all fun and games. There are sacrifices that have to be made, so a big thanks to her. Um, and just all of my sponsors. Um, Orange Seal has been instrumental to making this year possible. Trek has, I'm in my second year with Trek, and I'm uh, very happy working with them. Um, 
So yeah, there's <laughs> the list just just goes on and on, and I think that's not unusual. I mean, uh, bike racing can be an individual sport, but it's never never an individual sport. Um, there are lots of folks that have to be there, making sacrifices behind the scenes to make this sort of thing happen. So thanks to all of y'all. You know who you are. <laughs> awesome. And just to leave you guys on this note, I do have a more lengthy podcast episode interview that I did with Payson where we we go from start to finish pretty much with him. And it's a really, really cool story. And now that you've got this piece on top of it, Payson, with your journey for this national championship, folks are listening to this. I know they're going to be waiting to hear that podca- podcast episode. And so... I'm going to make sure to get that into their earbuds here soon. So, Payson, man, nice. thanks. Dude, thank you so much. Um, this is, thank you. This is, this, you know, the only tip, the tip of the iceberg for you. And, um, yeah, keep us, keep us posted. We look forward to hearing from you soon, man. Thanks, Mario. And thanks for uh, the help. Those instances in the race that weren't going my way, I was able to get through in large part uh, thanks to your coaching. So, thank you. Hey, man, thank you for that. I appreciate the kind words. Thanks for listening to A Champion's Mind. As you continue to implement the content discussed here, you'll move closer and closer to performing at your utmost potential. Keep challenging yourself and don't settle until you achieve your goals. If you can't wait until the next episode to do some more work on your mental game, head over to utmostperformance.org where you can find some more content to consume. You can also like our Facebook page, Utmost Performance. We sincerely value your support as we continue to partner together to help you perform at your utmost.